Welcome back, Sprinkles. We're here to talk to you today about trust issues and kind of some different things that we've dealt with throughout our life. And we've done a little research throughout the week to kind of keep us flowing and talk about some things. Um, And I was actually on uh, choosingtherapy.com because Michelle and I like, we do a little bit of our own research throughout the week just to Mm -hmm. give you guys some little behind the scenes stuff because it's stuff that as as people we've been personally affected by, but we also want to like do research and like see just to, just to verify some things, you know? So, um, today I'm going to start with like the signs of like that you have trust issues. And this is kind of piggybacking off of our abandonment issues mm-hmm. from last week. Um, cause I feel like they both, uh, go hand in hand. Absolutely. And, you know, um, one of the signs of trust issues, which was oddly, it was the last on my list because I was going through this thing on therapy.com and we had, you know, been talking a little bit before we started recording, but um, it's a fear of abandonment. Yes. And when we did abandonment last week and then we were looking into this and we're like, we kind of knew they went hand in hand, but like, that's one of the huge signs of trust issues is you have a fear of abandonment. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to do something wrong or you're not good enough. Um, or, you know, uh, you're just, you're, you're almost suspicious is what they say. Like you're, you're suspicious of your relationships, of friends, of family. Like you're always questioning, like if they're genuine or not. Right. You always have your guard up. Yes. And you're always overanalyzing what everyone says. Uh, You'll sit there and ruminate afterwards. Like, did I answer that right? Should I have said that? I, I, I like, I get so mad at myself because I'm such an overthinker and it's exactly because of this Yes, is in being, you know, just, I think being criticized as a child is that I overthink every single thing, whether it it could be just the smallest thing. And then, you know, a week later I'm like, oh, I wish I would have said this, or I wish I would have done this, or did I do that? Okay. You know, I'm over here giggling because we had, (laughs) we had a brief conversation about this. If you remember, we were sitting having uh, our lunch last week mm-hmm. and we were sitting in hell or high water and we're, and you're like, I overthink everything. I'm like, Oh my God, so do I like it. And I try to stop it, but it's like, sometimes, sometimes I just have to literally in my head, I know this sounds psychotic, but I have to literally tell my brain to shut up. Mm-hmm. Like stop. I have to stop. It is because it's, I mean, and we've talked about fear and all of that and it really is, it's fear and you're really just being told a lie. Your brain is conjuring up these things that have no power right now in your life. And, and, and you can overthink yourself into mm-hmm. anything, I feel like, oh. even if it's not even like you can change your perspective just by mm-hmm. overthinking that so much that you're seeing something that isn't even necessarily there. No, because you start making up your own narrative. Exactly. And you've gotten so far away mm-hmm. from like what actually happened. And it's just, I mean, it, I just want to kick myself a yeah. lot of days because I'm like, why am I thinking about something that happened 10 years ago? Why right. am I thinking about crap that happened in my childhood? Why? Like I've got so many good things going on in my life right now. Why would I be, why would I choose to focus on that? And I don't know if it's like a sixth sense of security 
when things are going really good that you kind of that's your self-sabotage yes. I mean because I do the same thing so I get it but like when I was reading here on the chain or choosing therapy.com mm-hmm. it also went into that where it was saying that like um you f- you like feel like you have to do everything mm-hmm and I think that's part in the ruminating process of where you're constantly thinking, thinking, thinking like you, you think that you have to control everything or the, and make sure that you say everything right, because that's how people are going to like you. And we didn't get that acceptance that we had as kids. And that turns into us focusing, like you were saying, like, why do I think about this stuff from 10 years ago? That's not necessarily bad, mm-hmm. but when you have trust issues, you focus on the negative. Right. You're always pessimistic. So you have to deal with those issues. And then when we look back at those things, we can be like, hey, this is what I learned from it. Right. But at that moment, the reason why we're reflecting on that is mm-hmm. because our fear, uh, it's its our trust issues and our fear of abandonment. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to assess what we did wrong in those relationships to make sure we don't do it again. Right. And it's not necessarily what we did wrong. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Because, yeah, I mean, because a lot of those things are, you know, are triggered. They are. By, you know, dishonesty or, you know, gaslighting and yes. just those things that can come up in a daily daily life that trigger that thought of like, oh, gosh, you know, I remember this or. Right. Well, and then it like this jumps right into this because I know that you can relate to this because I did. It, it was hard for me to it was hard to me to actually look at myself and realize that I did this, Mm -hmm. but I do. But because Don and I have been married for, you know, going on 19 years. Mm -hmm. um, But I definitely avoid intimacy. A hundred percent. And that's a common sign with trust issues. And see, and I had no idea Mm -hmm. until I was doing this research. And then I was like, you know what? Because I'm not a very, like he likes to hold hands and I hold hands, but I, I'm very, I'm not detached, like, but I, I'm very distant, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, I don't it's just uncomfortable. Like to, I do not like to be touched. See, I am either. not, I'm not a hugger. Asked I'm not on, a hand holder. I'm not one, I'm, you know, and it, it hurts my daughter's feelings because she's like, you didn't really hug me a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. And I'm like, but you're the most important thing in my life. It's not, it's not you. It, it's, it's me. Right. But how that affects the people exactly. that we love in our lives. Yes. Those issues that have, you know, now we're taking our issues and we're putting, and we're it, off putting on it on somebody else. Yeah. And I mean, and we like, I mean, and that, I think that's what was hard for me is like, I'm sitting there and I read that and I'm reflecting. And as much as I like tell myself that I'm a good mother mm-hmm. and I'm loving, mm-hmm. I'm still not 100% like, available. Right. Because I put up that wall. Right. And, and it's, you know, we have these walls and then when you're, you know, you start thinking about hurts and past issues and then, you know, someone walks in the room that has no idea what's going on in your head. Right. And they come in and like, Hey mom, or, you know, Hey, what's going on? And you like snap. Right. Or aren't the friendliest or like they can tell like, hey, what's wrong? Did you know, like it just starts a whole thing. And they're standing there like, what the hell did I do? (laughs) (laughs) What the hell did I do? Exactly. Um, I I know that for me that has happened 
many times. And it's something that I work on on a daily basis and it's a struggle and it's just something that I hope at one, it's definitely gotten better, but I hope that I can get to the point of just living in the now. Yeah. And not focus, focusing on what's in front of me right now. I think that we both have like taken the first step because at least we're aware. Mm -hmm. Um, And every day is different. Mm -hmm. Some days I can be like really good in my headspace and be Mm -hmm. like this, I can get rid of that ruminating. And other days I'm like, it's a struggle. Mm -hmm. It's a real struggle. And it does, it does honestly, what a lot of people don't want to you know, talk about is it, it is based off of like what's happened that day or Mm -hmm. if you've been triggered Mm -hmm. or, and you know, because not only then are you, you know, dealing with this, with these ruminating thoughts, the trigger itself Mm -hmm. you're trying to deal with. Right. And, and it's, it's just, there's so many, um, just, it, it, it's amazing. Like when I was research doing a little research for today's topic, it just, you know, it, it brings up so many issues that I can just clearly see in myself. I like to isolate. Yes. I, like I was getting isolate. ready to say that you keep to yourself. It, that was one because of the it's same just easier. It's easier it not is. to interact with other people and bring that. I, I don't want to be triggered. I no. don't want to deal with anything. And I have the tendency. I listen to every word people say. I do the same thing. Because and then I'm later on you're assessing waiting. it, aren't you? Yes. I'm yes. just waiting for the BS, yes. the lie, the, you know. You're like, when's it going to drop? Yeah, the exactly. hammer's going to drop. When's it happening? Exactly. Like, I'm going to stay here and wait. And trust me, I hate myself for doing that and being that way. And it's just, it's a hard habit to unlearn. It really is. Because no, I, you learn it from a very small age because you don't know what to expect from your parents. Yes. And that trust is diminished. And so you are oversensitive. You're overthinking every situation. You're over, you're overhyped at what's going on because yes. you never know you're it's you and you've put up that wall because you never know what's about to happen. Well, next. yeah. And what people don't understand is like when you were saying like you kind of get nippy or you're mm-hmm. stressed out, part of that is because of that, mm-hmm. because we're always extra aware of what's going on around us. And we're also always on edge because we don't know when that's going to drop with anyone that we know, whether that's family, whether that's friends, so mm-hmm. whether, or it's a partner, like, you know, we don't know when that's going to happen. Right. We're so unsure of people. Like you get to that point where it's like, I, the reason why we hang on to what everyone says mm-hmm. And we listen to every word is because we're suspicious of them. A hundred percent. We are suspicious of Mm -hmm. everyone because of the treatment we received as children. Right. Because we learned at that point that we couldn't even trust our own parents. No, no. I mean, my mom would flat out lie. (laughs) Right. I mean, she would just flat out lie. And then, you know, the an hour later, you're getting in trouble for lying or you're, you know, you're getting in trouble for something. The hypocrisy. Yes, absolutely. No, I totally get it. Mm -hmm. And and that's, you know, I've said that to someone, you know, and I don't expect people to feel, feel sorry for me. No. But when I'm in friendships, I, I tend to share too much because I want to put it all out there Mm -hmm. because I don't want anyone to think that I'm being a way 
because there's something wrong with them or they did something wrong. I have like my own stuff that I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. So I tend to overshare and be completely open because I'm like, here I am. So if you're going to fucking run, run now. Right. Right. (laughs) That is literally the thought in my head. Like, here I am. Mm -hmm. Here's all my parts. Let me just put it out here. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't like it, I don't want to get attached to you. Right. And I don't want that intimacy. Right. Do you tend to attract um, people that have had the same issues in their past? I do. But what I can tell you is that Dawn and I were talking about this the other day because Mm -hmm. it's either that I would choose people that had the same kind of background Mm -hmm. or like childhood trauma, or I chose women that were way older than me as a mother figure Mm -hmm. of something that I would want to see that I wanted to see in my mother or that they made me feel a way that I really needed my mother to make me feel. Yep. So yep. those, I did notice that. Mm-hmm. And in the past couple of years, I can tell you, like you met my friend, Maddie. Um, I have really started to engage with younger people mm-hmm. because that was something that I became aware of mm-hmm. is that when I'm putting that energy out there, and I'm like, here I am, I'm an open book. I mean, some people that have, that just are dealing with their own issues mm-hmm. can take that information I gave them. And I set myself up for failure and sabotage by giving too much information. Because it can come back to bite Yes, you. Mm-hmm. yes. 100%. And so I had to learn to keep my mouth shut. And I had to learn that what I needed was healing within myself. I didn't need that motherly attention from a friend and I didn't need that validation right right from someone else that had the same traumas like I felt like I needed that validation right and when and when I had people with the same traumas I felt like that validated me right right like it it validated like my feelings and we connected on that level but really that's just a trauma bond if mm-hmm. we're not doing anything with it right there it's you're I mean, everybody has a way of processing their right. hurts. And sometimes I wonder if like thinking about things that happened in the past and like walking through those situations mm-hmm. and like, oh, this is what I should have done. This is what I would have done. I don't know if that's like a, a healing process or I don't know if it's always 100% negative. No, I think I think it's helpful to go back and evaluate things. Mm -hmm. What I think is unhealthy, I mean, for me, and this Mm -hmm. is just my opinion, like I'm not using any, you know, thing to of a professional to back this up with is just that if you're constantly stuck on it, you're ruminating and you're beating yourself up over it. That's when it gets. That's when it's like, you know. And then when it affects the people around you in a negative way, then that's the issue. Exactly. That's Mm -hmm. exactly how I feel. But like, you know, that's the thing is like it, when I'm sitting here and we're talking about it and like, you know, there's been times that you're like, oh, well, you can't do that to yourself. And, I, and I've, I've done the same thing to you. Mm-hmm. It is helpful when you have a person that's on the same journey. Right. And we may not be in that same spot, but ultimately our goal is the same at the end. Right. Is to be like healthy, like mentally, physically, and, you know, for our family, for our kids and to, to get over this stuff so that we're not putting that off onto our children, our family, 
like we can look at each other and say that's that's what we both see right you, you at some point this generational curse or whatever you right. want to call it this trauma it has to end and yes. you definitely don't want it to be past your grandchildren or no. to anybody else it just it, it, you've got to figure out the way to heal it yes and um and move past it and I feel like that when, when you have someone like when, you know, we started talking about doing this podcast and, and we were willing to be open about, but we were also willing to share that we were still on a journey mm-hmm. and that we're still becoming self-aware of things that we do right. and of our traumas and different things like that. But we wanted to better ourselves right? Um, because there are people that just waller mm-hmm. and I'm not judging them. Right. Maybe they're stuck. They don't know how to get out of it. Right. But you have to eventually stop wallowing or the hole gets deeper and deeper. Right. And at some point you have to detach from, because sometimes people can become energy vampires. Yes. And all they want to do is dump their problems on you. I'm willing to be a good listener. I'm willing to, you know, be the shoulder to cry on. But at some point, if you are unwilling to take the steps to help yourself, then you have to then let go. at some point you have to, because I mean, they will just suck the life right out of you. Yes. And uh, those attachments to you, it just, it becomes, it, it ends up becoming your issue. Right. And, you know, can start triggering you and start backstepping your yes. growth and your, your progression. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why I think I'm, I'm an oversharer as well, mm-hmm. because I'm like, look, I mean, not to be mean, but like, let's not waste our time. If we're not both like really on a journey, be better, which I would hope that the majority of humans are. I mean, even if your problems aren't as, you know, deep rooted or whatever right. into your childhood, like everybody, I feel like if they're not should wake up and just want to be a better person mm-hmm. than they were the day before. A hundred percent. Um, But unfortunately, I feel like I've ran into people that that's not necessarily true for them at that moment. Right. And so my overtelling is like, okay, let's not waste each other's time. Right. And then I think too, some people may have the same issues, but they don't want to, they don't want it to fester. They don't want it to bubble up. They, they're able to compartmentalize and they're able to push that so back or, you know, not have it at their forefront. Like we tend to. And, um, it, and, you know, being around somebody that's open and able to talk about how they're feeling or what's happened to them in the past, it scares them because they don't want that stuff to come back out for them. And I get that because I used to be that person. But the way that I looked at it is that I didn't want to show my vulnerability. Yes. I didn't want people to know that I was vulnerable. I was hard as a rock. I had taken so much crap in my life that I wasn't taking more. And I was, there was points in my life and there'll be people that'll tell you that, I, I became what they thought was a heartless bitch, Mm -hmm. but it, it was really my protection device. Right. And, um, you know, you, you get to that point because you've stuffed so much stuff under the rug that you can't put anything else underneath it. Like you can't even sit furniture (laughs) on top of it because it's like a huge elephant in the room. And it's like, I got to get rid of this. Yep. And I got to that point in my life where I was like, I got to unload some of this Mm -hmm. and I got to be vulnerable. Yep. Because if I'm not, I'm never going to have true intimacy or true relationships with people. And it's it's not an easy thing to do. It's not. It's not easy being vulnerable with somebody, you know, especially when you just meet somebody just to open up and share yes. your past hurts and, 
you know, it, it's just, it's not an easy thing. No, it's not at all. It's really not. And, and with that, and when I was afraid of feeling vulnerable and I said that I became like this bitch, most mm-hmm. people thought part of a, a huge sign of trust issues is to hold grudges. Mm-hmm. And I was a grudge holder. Yeah. I would hold on to that until it ate me mm-hmm. alive. Like, and I would, I, I would sit there and I'd be like, you know, just wanting, it was, it was vengeful. Right. It wasn't just grudge holding. It was vengeful. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted someone to hurt like I hurt. I really did. Oh, and I know that sounds horrible. No, I completely understand that. <laughs> but I, you get to that point. And, it, mm-hmm. and I think it's before the point that you get to where you're understanding that we're talking about now. It, it's a process. Mm-hmm. So you get really angry mm-hmm. and, and you get vindictive. Yep. It, it's almost like a mourning process mm-hmm. before you come to the conclusion that, well, guess what? That, you know, being angry and vindictive and holding that grudge is really just hurting me even more. Mm-hmm. It, it does. <laughs> it, 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 it will literally just eat you alive. It, it, it's such a, it's such a hard cycle to get yourself out of when you're in it. And honestly, I do not think that if I hadn't gone through my divorce, that I ever would have been pushed to the links that I have in this healing process. Because I think when you are, you know, in a relationship and it's not good, you're constantly triggered. You're just constantly, all of that pain is just on a daily basis, just over and over. And there was no I don't think I would have ever healed from that. And then you start fighting and I I mean, I could just get down and nasty because I wanted to hurt him as much as he, as much as he hurt me. And I was willing to say in a fight and pull out all the stops, um, to be heard. But that, but that was your hurt. It was. And it was a hurt that you kept shoving down. Exactly. And we became grudgeful over it because we were just shoving it Bitter and grudgeful and just, yeah. Yeah. So. And I think that, you know, that's, that's, like I said, I, I, is it right? No, it's not right mm -hmm. at all. But I feel like it's part of the process. Mm -hmm. It's part of the process to recognize what is really going on because you're never going to get to that point. Right. You know where you're like, okay, look, this is obviously making not, not good for me. Right. And you know, um, it's all part of a bigger picture Mm -hmm. and you never get to that point unless you get to that angry, I feel like grudgeful, bitter part. Right. Because it's a real awakening because one day you look (laughs) at yourself and you're like, no one likes a bitter bitch. No, Mm -mm. no one likes a bitter bitch. Like it just, it's, and it's hurtful. And I think it also, like when you go through a divorce and I've been through my own is that you get to that point where you're holding the grudges and you're bitter. And then you look at your children and they've, and they're right there watching all of it. And you're like, I'm an ass. Yeah. They've watched the whole thing and you know, yeah, they, they're just looking at you like you're some crazed lunatic, Yeah, you know, that just has no, grip on, 
on their life. And it's just, it's so hurtful to kids. Well, and then, and then we're creating that cycle again of trust. Oh yeah. Because they're like, um, do I trust this woman? Yeah. Because why would, I mean, why would she? Yeah, yeah. Why? She's a wacko. Yeah. Like, why? Oh, I mean, yeah. I can't tell you how many times no, my daughter like has my, been like, exactly. you are so wacko. You're so crazy. I mean, I know my kids have done the same thing. And, I and don't I, want my friends around you because I don't know what you're going to do. Or say, or yeah. like, or what mood you're going to be in. No, I, I can completely relate to that. And I know that my children have felt the same way. And I know that I've, you know, when I look back on it, um, it, I never want to be that person again. I don't want to hold grudges. I don't want to be bitter. I want to trust people. I want to have intimacy. You know, I don't want to isolate myself in my house. Right. Um, and you know, I think that what I've started doing is just gradually putting myself out there a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I will say that sometimes I'm still bitchy about it because it's uncomfortable. Right. It's uncomfortable. Oh, I mean, <laughs> when I have to go to into a new situation, it's even going out with friends and yes. they're bringing some other new friends. I get literally panicked. Like it is the most stressful thing for me. Like I literally start like, oh, I look terrible. I don't have anything to wear. I just, you know, oh, I'm not going to go. Like a million excuses start flowing through my head. Yeah. And it really is, it's an issue. Well, and I feel like that's where we use alcohol as a social lubricant, Mm -hmm. you know, because we're like, you know, not like that you're an alcoholic or that I'm an alcoholic, but if you have a drink, it just kind of, you know, like it puts me in a point where I'm like, okay, I'm not worried about what someone's going to think of me, but it all goes back to our trust issues. Let's be real because we're worried about what someone's going to think of us. Yeah. We're worried about their opinion. We want their validation. Exactly. We want them to be our friend. Exactly. And that, (laughs) I I mean, I just don't know that that ever ends for somebody. I, I, I don't I'm know. Not there I mean, yet. I'm 53 years old and yes. I still, those thoughts still run through my head. And see, and my hopes are like that we will get to that point. Mm-hmm. And, and I've heard stories from women that are older than us or people in general that say you get to a point where you just don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like you, you are who you are. And I'm going to be real with you. I look forward <laughs> yeah. to that point. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like that now, but don't think that like, when I have to not talk to someone or something like that, mm-hmm. it still bothers me. It's like a mourning process. It's like right. you lose someone right? or you lose something. It doesn't matter whether it's a relationship you've had for years or not. You're still, when you're not being able to interact because of those trust issues and you isolate yourself, it you mourn. Right. It, it's, it's it a sad cycle. It, it really is. It, it it's sad, but what do you do? I mean, we're, I mean, I'm just happy that we're at this point where we're talking about it. Right. And I, I want to get to that point, And I know you do too, where we're just like, we're going to go do it. And if somebody likes us, they like us. If they don't, they don't. They don't. Don't listen. And I'm not, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not going to go and right. try to put on a show, you know, right. to please them. And that's part of our trust, trust issues. Mm-hmm. And our, you know, we've talked about in previous episodes, with your mother, with my mother, mm-hmm. where we're supposed to just put on the happy face and go. And we kind of do that entertaining clown stuff in, right. in front of people that we've never met too. Right. Right. No, it's, it, it's absolutely, um, you know, I had a friendship that, um, about a year ago and we had been friends for probably about 
I want to say maybe 17 years. Yeah. And um, just a really close friend. Like, I mean, I knew I could call this person up and um, she just, I think she put me in like a box after, I, I mean, she knew me as a married couple. Right. And then she really helped me a lot through my divorce. Right. Um, like she was there, like I say, she helped me a lot, but she was always just like putting my ex-husband down, always putting my daughter down because she still wanted that relationship with her dad. She couldn't understand. Right. Like that, uh, your relationship with your child is completely different from yeah. your relationship with your spouse. I would never yes, no. want my daughter to not have relationships exactly. with her dad. No. That just was off limits. And right. It would just bother me. And she would just harp on it. Right. And like put Hannah down. And I just was like, okay, I, I, I mean, I would away. just like walk, I would like leave the restaurant and just walk yeah. off. You, you I did that a couple of times. And then the last straw was like, she just would like always put me down for like, well, why'd you buy your condo? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why, you know, like always questioning like every decision. And then like, even, um, like, oh, that's the bad part of the neighborhood or like just constantly very pessimistic about everything that you were doing. It yeah. just like con con was constantly grinding and I just had had enough and I just, I lost it on her one day. So we had this friendship and you know, I really did rely on her and it, it, it makes me sad. Even well, yeah. sometimes I think about it and I'm just like, I just, um, she just pushed me. She pushed me just too far. And, you know, it's like she had me in this little box that, you know, I, I couldn't get out of it in her mind. Like when I, if I wanted to expand myself or make new friends or do new things, it just, it didn't fit her box that she it had this expectation of me. And I don't know if that makes sense. No, but it, it makes complete sense. I feel like, you know, I feel like she probably had, you know, and I'm sure you've looked at this too after the fact is that she probably had some issues of her own as well that mm -hmm. she was, you know, uh, still angry or bitter about whatever it was. And mm -hmm. she was, you know, using that to direct you. Right. And it was just sad. Like we had this just really amazing friendship. Yeah. And then it just, it crumbled. And I, you know, I know that I, I think I hurt her feelings. I didn't go to her daughter's wedding. Yeah. It was a destination wedding. And yeah. But you're like, at that point you're a single mother. Right? Yeah. I like just am just, like, yeah, you know, no. it, I mean, you know, my daughter's grown up, but yeah, but still like but you, still like I'm just on my own. Like she had it, you know, her husband was getting ready to retire. They're building a house in Colorado. And like, you're like, were, oh, my, my life is a little bit different than yours. Like it, I can't just leave it work. Was, and it was just, um, you know, I think that at that point we were just, I don't know, like it was just different. Well, and you, and I know that you mourn that it's no different than someone dying. A lot of people are like, how can you say that? Because it is like mm -hmm. you mourn that friendship. And, you know, I was sitting here and you're like, do you understand that? Probably because I'm like, you're looking at me and I'm like kind of off over here thinking, but 
one thing I have to admit, like, cause I'm over here processing that, that you're telling me is that I've been that bitter person that's given bitter advice mm-hmm. and I don't want to be that person anymore. So when you were explaining her, like, I know that there was a point in time that I gave really nasty and bitter advice because I was nasty and bitter. Right. Right. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, it's like, you're trying, you're, you're, so trying, I'm over to here going, uh... <laughs> you're trying to heal. And then this person, like, I think though my divorce, the way it happened, it hurt. Well, it hurts friends. everybody. It, it hurt, does. It hurt a lot more people yes. than just me and just Hannah. And so I think there was a little bit of bitterness there, but also like, you know, like when you're trying to heal and you're trying to say, oh, I'm doing this, I'm reading this. Oh, well, he's, you know, just an asshole or he just, you know, this is just, you should do this and that. And I'm like, but wait, I'm, you know, like I'm I'm trying trying to to be civil, right. It just, she was just trying to pull me back in. And I get that because, you know, um, my ex-husband, we had been together since we were teenagers and we had mutual friends even from high school. Mm-hmm. And when him and I divorced, I think that, you know, that's part of these trust issues too with relationships is like those people chose, some chose him, some chose me. And right. I never wanted people to choose sides. Right. I just wanted them if it, it to me it made sense can we just all go on and be friends we don't have to talk about him right you don't have to talk about me right but some people feel like they feel obligated right and she i mean in and this is one thing that i do have to say is like she would defend me to the bitter end like even now we have mutual friends like right. she's like you know she still will defend me over chris you know, in, in certain situations when I hear like something back. Right. But, um, you know, she just, um, it was almost to just a fault. Yeah. That, and she couldn't make me understand like, yeah, she was just bitter and angry. And I, I think it was, you know, and she wanted me to still be bitter and angry. Right. And, and you she were wanted past that. my yes. daughter to be bitter and angry. And I just was like, I, I, if I'm going to move forward, if I'm going to do anything with my life, then I, I, I got to get rid of this. I, I, I can't, I can't hold on. To this. I completely get that. And, and I think that people see us as being nasty at mm-hmm. that point. But the truth is, is like when you're doing that, when you're going on your own journey, your own healing journey, Mm -hmm. like I said, there's friendships that you're going to have and Mm -hmm. that are going to stay. And there's others that are only there for a season and they teach us something. And I think that what you can say from that relationship is that she taught you some things that you were really like, hey, I wish I had that strength. Mm -hmm. And then she taught you some things of who you didn't want to be anymore. Right. Exactly. And and that's a way I like have literally had to like put that narrative into my own head. Right. Because, you know, if not, I feel like I would still be dwelling on it. And that plays into a lot of the me being suspicious of new friends. Like. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, just when you've got one of your closest friends and they're like casing your ex-husband and his wife on Facebook and And bringing you back all kinds of information that you don't need. I, this is not helping me. This is actually doing damage to me. Right. And I don't want to know this stuff. Yeah. 
yeah, you get to that point and mm-hmm. you're like, this isn't helping me like heal. And this definitely isn't helping my trust issues. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you, you get to that point and, and I'm glad that you got to that point And I'm glad that you have, you know, made these observations of yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've done the same thing because that's what keeps pushing us to be better people. And that's where, when we look at that, like we feel for her Mm -hmm. because she's stuck in that area Mm -hmm. of being bitter. And I hope that she eventually gets out of it, but we've been there and we know we don't want to go back. Mm -hmm. That's not who we want to be. No, but I definitely do miss. I'm sure you do. I miss the before my divorce. No, and I think that's completely mm-hmm. human to mourn something that you don't have anymore. Yeah. That that had at one time had brought you so much joy and, you know, comfort and, you know, just friendship in general mm-hmm. and and someone you could vent to. Right. Because then we go back to our isolating process. Oh yeah. And, you know, we don't you don't want to go back to those same patterns no. that you were in. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, right here is a good place where our next segment, um, please stay listening. We're going to be talking to, um, well, two. We're going to be talking about uh, female friendships. I think that it's a pretty good topic that kind of goes along with uh, our trust issues and how all that has kind of uh, made us, you know, uh, changed our perspective and how we deal with friendships. Sure. Talk to you later. Okay, happy listeners. If you're hearing this, we've just finished an episode and we are begging for you to give us a follow, please. And give us some ratings. And five star is what we prefer, but we also prefer that you're honest. Look, that's great. What are you doing right now? You're you're driving along, you listen to this podcast. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Now look, in the next hour or so, while you're hiding from your boss in a stall watching TikTok videos. Or spanking the monkey to Pornhub. <laughs> take a take a couple minutes and instead jump on Spotify or jump on whatever podcast you're using to listen to this and give us a rating. Thank you.